from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Proud to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We appreciate you being here on the broadcast and listening into the show every Monday through Friday from 9 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time right here once again on WakeUpCallDT.com's homepage and on MixLR.com backslash wake up call DT. So I appreciate you being here and hanging out in the conversation this morning, obviously right after the big game, the morning after the Patriots defeat the Rams in Super Bowl 53, which has put us in a situation to have the conversation about a lot of different pieces of this game. And there's a lot to be had about this. So we go to our Monday morning quarterback, who is none other than Syracuse Orange quarterback alum Marvin Graves, who's been with us all season and then some, and he is with us once again this morning following Super Bowl 53. Marvin, how are we doing today? Doing great, man. Doing great this morning. How about yourself? I'm doing well. And Marvin, first and foremost, you know, from the quarterback point of view, there's a lot of different topics to get to, but, you know, everybody wants to glorify Tom Brady. I don't think that this is Tom Brady's you know, <laughs> tremendous Super Bowl. I, I don't think that this one is is on him, so to speak. Obviously, he's a part of it. Every member of the team is a part of it. But I, I, I just don't, I don't feel like this is the one where we talk about the heroics of Tom Brady. How do you feel about it? I mean, I agree with you 100%. Um, you know, the bottom line, it was just a total team effort. Um, it was a great uh, scheme. Uh, that they had against the Rams. Um, the players executed that scheme. Um, and, and I just thought that New England was more ready for the moment um, uh, than the Rams were. Uh, I think the Rams' defense played great. Um, Phillips, you know, always has a, a great game plan in. But, you know, to really answer your question, I just think that um, New England's defense set the tone. Um and I think that way uh, that that Phillips' uh, defensive plan had uh, New England off balance early, which we're not accustomed to seeing. And you know, I, I just feel like um, the defense won the championship for him. I think what Tom Brady and the offense did was um, they just kept it simple. Um, they ran the football effectively, which. Um, you know, I thought that they could, but I didn't think that they would have as, as much success. But they were able to run the football, and, um, you know, Brady just got to the point where he tried to hit Hogan a few times. You know, he threw the ball to Edelman and Grunk, and he just kept it simple. So, um, you know, that that's just uh, – you've got to give him credit for executing that. He did have the turnover, um, but he came back from that. The defense, you know, kept the Rams out of the end zone, and – um, you know, I just feel like they kept it simple and they did what worked for them. And that's why New England is New England. And that's why they raised the trophy again. Well, and that's the thing, you know, ultimately, when we look at the uh, the grand scheme of things is is that, 
you know, they, this team just figures out a way. They they find a way, you know, from, you know, Bill. And, and I think that, that really the credit has to go to Bill Belichick because, you know, yes, he has Tom Brady, but, you know, this is a scheme. There's a defensive scheme. There's an offensive scheme. There's been success with multiple players who have been in this scheme, be it a quarterback or a running back or a wide receiver. And, you know, obviously defensively and whatnot. So just what you can say about, you know, you played the game, the X's and O's of it all, the scheming of this, because it, it almost seems like Bill Belichick can plug and play anybody. And we've seen him resurrect careers. We've seen him take no-name guys. You know, who would Rex Burkhead, James White, Wes Welker, Julian Edelman, who would any of these guys be on another team? Would they even be out there on the 53-man roster? Would they be on the practice squad? So... Speak to that a little bit, the fact that, you know, we have to give probably the most credit to Belichick because he takes these players and makes them fit the scheme that he has. He goes after the players that are going to essentially fit what the Patriots are. And I feel like you could like, again, you can plug and play any of the guys on their depth chart and they're going to find a way to move the ball. Well, I, I think you have to give, um, Belichick, not only Belichick, but, you know, his staff as well, um, the assistant coaches, uh, the video guys, you got to give those guys credit because it's, it's one thing to have a system and have a scheme, uh, but coaching is about not what you know about it. It's actually putting it in front of the players, actually going out and practicing it and perfecting it and being as, as prepared as possible on game day. And then where, where you really have great coaches is when those players are able to go out there and play fast and execute your scheme. Did they, did they make some mistakes? I'm sure they did. But the Rams didn't capitalize on, you know, anything that uh, they may have left on the table. And, you know, coaching is – that's what coaching is, man. You know, you, you, I haven't coached in the NFL. I haven't coached on a Division One level. I've coached at the high school and the Division Three level. But football is all the same. And Division three school that I coached at, um, you know, when we schemed teams up that they thought that we didn't have a chance against, you know, our players had confidence, even though they were undersized, uh, didn't have the athleticism of the other team. They understood why, how we were attacking this team, how we could frustrate this team. And when you can get players to go out there and play fast and execute, your scheme that you practice during the week, the coaches have done a great job. Yeah, no, and the, the coaches have definitely done a tremendous job. And the question that comes up, I mean, we've seen success with Jimmy Garoppolo. We saw some success with Jacoby Brissett. We saw success with Matt Castle and whatnot. So my question to you, speaking here this morning with our Monday morning quarterback, Marvin Graves, following Super Bowl 53, is I don't want to take anything away from Tom Brady, but but I have to ask this question. Because we have seen Matt Castle, what, win 11 games, you know, without Brady and whatnot, and, and, and when Brady was suspended for a bunch of games, the team still won, like 12 in the regular season, won 12 and 4. So, without Brady, these other quarterbacks have success. So, is Brady just a really good system quarterback, or how do you look at it, knowing that these other quarterbacks behind him, when they've had to step in, have had success in New England and really haven't had success anywhere else up to this point. I think I think Brady is a good system quarterback, but you 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 have to give him all the respect for doing it for so long. 
uh, these guys have filled in for him and, and played well. And, you know, where's Matt Castle now? Um, not that this, these other teams have the same coaching, uh, coaching assistant coaches and head coaches as Belichick, but, um, you know, what is he doing now? Um, Garoppolo uh, is probably the, I guess, the newest guy that left New England and showing promise in San Francisco. And I think, you know, if he can get healthy, um, you know, we'll see. But regardless of if he is a system quarterback, why replace him if he's a guy that can win a game last night and turn the ball over one time, uh, allow it and not really make any more mistakes and allow, you know, the defense, the game to just develop how it develops. You know, he didn't try to be a hero last night. He didn't try to, uh, you know, make throws that would, would, would cause another turnover. I think they had a, a chance or two to, to get another pick, but that's football. But, you know, to be con- as consistent as he has been over the course of time, and I'm in no way, uh, shape, or, fa- or fathom uh, a New England Patriot fan, I would rather see the NFC win it if it's not the Redskins. But, you know, the consistency and being able to execute it over the course of time, you have to give him this respect. And we will never know until Tom Brady steps away and the next guy steps in. You know, he'll have some big shoes to fill, but can you be as consistent as Tom Brady? And we'll never know that. So um, do I think that someone can come in and play and fit right in the system, sure. Um, but until Tom Brady steps away, um, I can't see anyone that that will replace him. Well, and that's the thing is that you know he's a, he's a really good system quarterback. But you know the thing is, if he dink and dunks around the field, if he just throws within the line of scrimmage, and he has guys that are good yards after catch. You know, there was a year that. There was 666 yards after the catch to Wes Welker. This year, James White was in the top three for yards after catch. Out of the 751 yards that he had receiving, 665 were after the catch, which means that Tom Brady throwing the ball in, you know, during uh, all the way up leading into the Super Bowl, him throwing the ball to James White in the regular season, he only threw the ball to him for 86 yards, and then James White did the rest of the work with it. So, you know, this this is where we sit with this, is that Tom Brady really doesn't have to chuck it down the field. He's had his moments where he has in the past, but this is a guy who makes his hay with two-yard passes, check down, three-yard, five-yard, seven-yard, and the guys do the work from there. So we give all of the accolades and all the credit to Brady across the country, but in all honesty, without Edelman, without White, without Welker, you know, these things don't happen, in my opinion. I mean, how do you look at it? Because we talk about the greatest quarterback of all time, and I look at Arm, and I'm thinking about Elway, and I'm thinking about Marino, and I'm thinking about Young and Montana and whatnot, and people want to say it's Tom Brady, but Tom Brady makes a lot of his hay and a lot of his yardage doesn't come from him. It comes from what the guys do after the catch. I think I think that's a... Uh a good argument uh, when you look at and compare him to the John Elways and uh, the guys with the big arms, the guys that can move around. Uh, everybody has a different way to do it. But the way people are judged in the NFL is winning championships. And, you know, again, it goes back to uh, Bill Belichick, uh, like we talked about earlier, and not only being able to, to plug and play players, 
but to plug and play uh, assistant coaches that move on. Um, the guy has a system, and he has players that uh, buy into the system, and they execute, and they get the job done. So, no, Tom Brady doesn't have a big arm. Tom Brady makes plays, and at the end of the day, it comes down to a guy that can manage the game, that can adjust to however the game is going and still get his team in the end zone and and ultimately come out with a win. And that's what Tom Brady has done. And, you know, I, you know we don't know if he played on another team what, what Tom Brady will be. We don't know. All we know is the body of work that he has uh, laid out, uh, appearing in nine Super Bowls, um, being in the league, what, 18 years, I believe, um, appearing in nine Super Bowls. So that's once every two years and winning six Super Bowls. So every three Super Bowls that you went to, you won. Um, I just don't think you can really take anything away from him, man, to be honest with you. Even with the Spygate, even with the deflate, you know, everybody around the league, well, I won't say everyone, but a lot of teams around the league have done something that was a little bit outside of the rules. And at the end of the day, when you step between the white lines, that's when it happens. And, you know, the guy has been consistent. The guy has won in a lot of different ways. He's won with his arm. He's taken off uh, as slow as he is and, and, and taking some hits and scoring some touchdowns, got some first downs. And that's just what it comes down to. Give me a guy that can make plays, a guy that, you know, can play in the moment and be consistent in that moment and get me wins. I'll take that any day. You know, we look at this. Speaking here with our Monday morning quarterback, who is Marvin Graves, a Syracuse Orange quarterback alum. And Marvin, you know, going off of, of your point, you know, and the fact that, you know, you're looked at by championships, and obviously he has a ton. And, and yes, you know, he did. He was drafted in 2000. He only played one game. So, essentially, you know, he was the starting quarterback on the team for the past 18 seasons from 2001 to 2018-19. Uh, so, in 18 seasons, he's made it to nine Super Bowls, won six. So, you know, ultimately, we look at the fact that 50% of the time he has started in the NFL, he has made it to the Super Bowl. Who can say that? Nobody. 50% of the time, nine times in 18 years, 50% every other season he goes to the Super Bowl, if, if you want to look at it that way, and he wins the Super Bowl once he gets there, 67% of the time. So when we say greatest quarterback of all time, we can have a discussion, and we will, but is there any quarterback that can say that they've gone nine times in 18 years, 50% of the time, two out of four years, or five out of 10 years, whatever it may be. Is there anybody that can say they go half the time that they play in the NFL and that they win 67% of those chances? These numbers are incredible. But again, Bob Kraft, Bill Belichick, the coaches that have come and gone, Josh McDaniels, who's there right now, Flores, everybody. And obviously, you know, your former your former recruiter that was, you know, came from Syracuse and went over to New England. There's a lot to be said about this staff, about the scheme, and about the front office, that it's not just Tom Brady, but when we look at this, nine times in 18 seasons, six out of those nine are Super Bowl victories. These numbers on any team anywhere in history of any sport are insane 
and what most people would tell you would be impossible. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, we're we're watching a living legend. Um, and, and and again, football is the ultimate team sport, and you can't take any credit away from you know any. You can't take any credit away from Tom Brady because he's just as important as Bill Belichick. He's but just as important. He he's up there with uh, Belichick and craft uh, he, he's part of that that core that nucleus and to be able to play this long he did suffer the one injury um, but to be able to be on the field for, and I don't know what that percentage is I'm, I'm sure it's way up above 80 percent um, actually being on the field and performing I mean it, it, it's remarkable it, 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 it's unprecedented and I think it'll be a long, long time before we see uh, this again. And the scary part about it is it's still not over because Tom Brady will be back. They have a franchise running back. They have a, still have a three-headed monster at running back. Um, they have players sprinkled in. Uh, you keep Edelman. You know, I don't know if Grunk's going to be around, but you still got guys like Patterson. It really doesn't matter who he plugs in. Uh, these guys buy into the system and – New England will be back in the thick of things next year if, if Brady is healthy. Yeah, you know, and, and, and when we see this, again, you know, with Tom Brady and, and Bill Belichick, I mean, these guys are going to keep doing what they do. But we asked the question, is Tom Brady the greatest quarterback of all time? And I put it out there on social media and what I got so far as we sit here this morning, and this is going to run throughout the week. So if you haven't voted, go to Twitter at CallDT. I'm going to put it on Facebook, too, at Wake Up Call DT, and make sure you vote. Is Tom Brady the greatest quarterback of all time? 65% of our voters have said yes. 35% have said no. I would be on the no side of it. Where do you stand with all this? Is he the GOAT? Well, I mean, it's, it's, to me, it's two ways to look at it. If you're looking at individual stats and uh, performance, uh, arm strength, if you're looking at it individually like that, which football is not an individual sports, um, then maybe no. You know, I don't, I don't, but I don't know who I can say is the goat. You know, if you don't say Tom Brady is the goat, then then who's the goat? Maybe Joe Montana. Um, maybe Terry Bradshaw. Um, I don't know, but in, at the end of the day, you ask any of those quarterbacks that we can put in that conversation, would they trade being called the goat for? the type of career, the type of consistency, um, the championships, the appearances in the Super Bowl, would they trade it for that? And I guarantee you they would. So um, I, I have to I have to say that Tom Brady is the GOAT. Do I think he's the best quarterback that I've seen play over the course of my time of watching football? No. Um, but I think he's a big-time player. I think he's... Uh, one of the most consistent players, and he's done it with uh, an array of different coaches and uh, players around him. So, uh, you know, he didn't. He didn't. He, he got drafted by New England. Um, he wasn't. He wasn't. You know, actually there to be the starter. Uh, Bledsoe got hurt, and you know, a star was born, and and we're still watching it. So, um, 
right now, I would have to say he's the GOAT because of the championships and the, and the Super Bowl appearances and the, and the fact that he's actually uh, on the field most of the time. Well, and that's the thing, you know, and we look at it is, you know, is it more the system that's that, you know, he is just best suited for even better than Bledsoe and and better than other people out there? Or is this really a him thing? I mean, we we know that he can come back at the end. We know that he, they're never out of games with him at quarterback. We know that he could be a difference maker. We know he can make the big time play. We know he could put the ball on the money. But at the same time, You know, we look at this Patriots team and just see this level of success under Belichick that, you know, that just feels, and again, you know, Matt Castle looks really good, goes somewhere else, does nothing. Jimmy Garoppolo, it's left to be seen what he's going to do because he's been hurt in San Francisco. And then, you know, outside of that, everybody else that's come through, you know, Jacoby Brissett did okay. But he didn't do a lot of great things for the Indianapolis Colts, you know, being out there once he left. So, you know, the question is, can any of these quarterbacks survive outside of this system? And I don't think the question's ever going to be answered with Tom Brady because I don't ever think he's going to be out of the system. Yeah, and I mean, that's, that's, that's what I mean. It's like there's nothing to compare it to. He's been a uh, Patriot his entire career. He's going to retire a Patriot. And... Yeah, I think it has a lot to do with the system. But again, when you're looking to plug players in, you know, why change something that really hasn't been broken? And again, Tom Brady has uh, been healthy most of his career. He's been able to be on the field. Um, Yeah, some quarterbacks have had, you know, success uh, in that system, but it was for a very short time. Um, Castle won 11 games. That's, you know, I give him a lot of credit. Um, but again, it speaks to the system uh, that New England has in place, that Belichick has in place, and to be able to get assistant coaches and players to actually buy in, understand, and execute that system, um, you just have to give them credit. Um, you know, my my, I, I would say, you know, my all-time favorite quarterback, or I would say top three quarterbacks, uh, would be Dan Marino. Um, you know, Warren Moon. Um, and definitely Joe Montana would be in there, Terry Bradshaw. Uh, but, you know, so many of those guys have never even come close to what this man has accomplished. So I, I Monday morning I just sit here and I just give not only Bill Belichick and, and all of the players and coaches that have been there the credit. You know, like I said, Tom Brady is, is right there with Belichick and, and the owners. He, he He's like one of the owners of the team. So, you know, he's the GOAT, man. He's the GOAT. We are here this morning following Super Bowl 53 with Marvin Graves, our Monday morning quarterback, having the discussion about a lot of different pieces of this. Is wide receiver Julian Edelman a Hall of Famer? 53% of my voters have said yes. 47% have said no. Right after the game, the conversation had already started that Julian Edelman is a Hall of Famer. Now, to give you some background information about where Julian Edelman sits in certain things, he is the fourth offensive player to win a Super Bowl MVP without having to score a touchdown. In Super Bowl three, Joe Namath did that. Fred Belitnikoff, who the Belitnikoff Award is named after for the top receiver in the nation every single year. Uh, Fred Belitnikoff in college football, he won it in the NFL in Super Bowl eleven, And then in Super Bowl thirty nine, Deion Branch did it. And now in Super Bowl 53, Julian Edelman. 
becoming an, the fourth offensive player to not have to score a touchdown in order to win Super Bowl MVP. He is also on a list of players in the MVP club, seventh wide receiver named Super Bowl MVP, uh, Julian Edelman this time around. San Antonio Holmes did it in Super Bowl XL3, was able to get that done. And then we have uh, Heinz Ward, who did it in Super Bowl XL. Deion Branch, who did it in Super Bowl, once again, 39, which is triple X, one X. Uh, Jerry Reich did it in Super Bowl 23. Fred Blitnikoff did it in Super Bowl 11. And Lynn Swan did it in Super Bowl 10 to be a wide receiver named Super Bowl MVP. So the likes of Holmes, Ward, Deion Branch, Blitnikoff, Swan, and Jerry Rice. And when we talk about Blitnikoff, Swan, and Rice, we're talking about some not to take away from anybody else. But we're talking about, you know, the, the the top of the top. So what are your thoughts on this? Because, you know, Edelman, as, as I just stated, he's one of seven receivers to get it. He did it without having to score a touchdown as an offensive player. And he obviously bailed them out more than anybody else offensively. But where do we put him in this? Because it's one thing to do this in a game. It's one thing to have some accolades in the game. And it's another thing to say that we're going to put him inside of Canton, Ohio. So is he a Hall of Famer in your opinion right now, Marvin Graves? Right now, I would say no. Um, I think he's he's in the conversation, but plain and simple, I would I would say no. That I don't think he's uh, a first ballot Hall of Famer right now. I think that he is a guy that is in that conversation now. I thought he played a great game. And again, it goes back to scheme. You want to talk about Tom Brady not trying to force the ball. Um, there were some other guys open at times. But Tom Brady knew that this guy can get open. And um, his body of work has been very good. But to, to say that he's a Hall of Famer right now, I just don't think he's a Hall of Famer. I think he's in the conversation uh, for the years to come. Yeah, you know, I think he needs more time because, again, the system – Helps And before there was a Julian Edelman, there was a Wes Welker. So, you know, the system seems to just fit. You know, these guys seem to fit the system. They seem to do what they need to do. And it's not to take anything away from them. They got to get the job done. But here's something that I, I brought up after the game. And, and Marvin, I want to get your thoughts on this. I think that outside of the system, you know, we lose track of Rex Burkhead. We lose track of Julian Edelman, uh, Wes Welker, which we obviously did when he went to Miami. We lose track of James White and so on and so forth. In my opinion, outside of Tom Brady, we're just talking about skill players. The only two skill guys that I think could be on another team and have immediate success are running back Sony Michelle and tight end Rob Gronkowski. Do you agree, disagree? Are there other guys? Because in my opinion, take them out of this scheme, take all these guys out of this scheme. And I think a lot of them get lost in translation on other NFL teams, except for Sony Michelle and Rob Gronkowski. What do you think? Uh, I agree with those two guys. And I think the third guy that I would throw in that conversation would be uh, Cordell Patterson. Um, he's a guy, he's shown that he can return kicks. They played him in the backfield. He's a big wide receiver, um, and I think he's a guy that, that could, you know, go on and, and have a successful career. Now, um, outside of that, uh, Chris Hogan, 
think he has a lot of potential. He just doesn't get get the targets. Um, but the only guy that I would pull and add with those two guys is Cordell Patterson. You know, and the funny thing about Cordell Patterson is is that or Cordero Patterson is the fact that he, you know, was in Minnesota and they just misused him. And, you know, they you know, the, he just wasn't what he is in New England. I mean, what do you think about that? You know, that Cordero Patterson, you know, he's on a team last year with the Minnesota Vikings that had an opportunity to play a Super Bowl at home if they had defeated Philadelphia. And, you know, you got guys like, you know, Cordero Patterson in your history that you just don't use right. And the Patriots, again, their scheme, their coaching, they know how to take guys and get the best out of them more than anybody else. But in Patterson's case, who was talking? I mean, this guy was going to be a forgotten NFL player. He was going to waste away into the sunset. And then he goes, like many, to New England and has life. And he's a guy who can run it. He's a long guy. He can obviously catch and do what he needs to do. What do you think about this? I mean, they've resurrected a ton of careers, but you brought up Patterson, who is in the process of resurrecting his career after playing in Minnesota, where they had no idea what to do with him. And then he played in Oakland, same situation. He was a forgotten man out there. And now all of a sudden, New England is putting him on the map again. Well, you know, sometimes, you know, I don't, I don't know if, him not being used the right way in Minnesota. Uh, some of those behind the doors things we, we never know. We don't know how much how immature he was at that time or if he was ready at that time. Um, in Minnesota you had you had Diggs, you had Thielen, you had Treadwell, um, you had some other guys that I think they were uh, experimenting with um, in Minnesota, there is another guy or two that uh, I remember playing for them. Um, but when you got when you got Treadwell, a tight end like Rudolph, you got uh, uh, Stephon Diggs, local guy from here, uh, out there. You know, guys like that can get lost in the shuffle. Um, so I think what New England did was, which they always do, is they find a way to take the talent that they have and use it to their advantage, whether it's, you know, one play, two plays. This guy's returning kicks. This guy's running uh, jet sweeps. This guy's playing running back. This guy's running routes. Um, he's catching screen passes. So um, I just think he got caught up in a situation where um, the focus was more on uh, those other three guys, where the running game um, and then Rudolph and, and, and Thielen and, and Diggs. You know, and we and we see this. And again, you know, like you said, you know, obviously having a, a crowded situation there. At the same time, when he came in, he had the opportunity to make a splash, and ultimately, other guys like Adam Thielen and whatnot stepped up over time. On the Rams side of it, speaking here with our Monday morning quarterback Marvin Graves, who's been with us all throughout the season and even before so, speaking on college football and the NFL, we look at the awards that went out. And the awards that went out that were announced, you know, going into the Super Bowl and whatnot, uh, one of them was that the built Ford Tough Offensive Line of the Year was the Los Angeles Rams Offensive Line. Now, they were voted for this for, you know, their efforts throughout the season. I do not understand how, after watching the Super Bowl 53, this team could have an offensive line. I mean, I 31st maybe, 
27th maybe, but not number one. And and this was a conversation that I had is that the, the team, it wasn't that they were out-schemed by the New England Patriots. They were out-muscled. They were just pushed aside. This entire Rams offensive line blew coverage a bunch of times. They blew opportunities to even pick up a guy or, you know, make a second move. So what are your thoughts on this? Because they get the Offensive Line of the Year award going into the Super Bowl, and then they get completely, quite frankly, out-muscled by the New England Patriots. Yeah, I, I don't know where... Um... I don't know, you know, who statistically, uh, how they uh, came up with this award. I don't know if they did it because this team was, you know, one of the NFC teams going the furthest in uh, the Super Bowl run. But I never thought that the Rams offensive line was was that good. I mean, they run, you know, stretch. They run zone. Um, They weren't able to... uh, you know, established the line of scrimmage last night, which, you know, New England, they set the tone early. Um, they had a lot of pressure. They played on the other side of the ball. Um, I think they had golf rattled. And, you know, again, I, I you know, it's one game, but, you know, it was the biggest game that anyone can ever play in. Uh, but I definitely didn't have them as the top offensive line. Um, I, I mean, come on, man. You could have gave that to New England. <laughs> you could have gave that to New England, but I think it was because of their playoff run when they got C.J. Anderson and was able to, you know, run the ball on teams, uh, was able to run the ball on the Cowboys. So, you know, somebody had to win it, man, and I just think it came down to the Rams, the way they were playing towards the end of, of the season. Yeah, you know, and then that's the thing. You know, you give these awards out, and then you kind of look back on it, in the, in the biggest game. Maybe they should have waited until after this game to make that decision, but, you know, we see how they played here, and again, just completely out-muscled in the grand scheme of things, which is, you know, it, it's sad to see. I mean, we're looking at a team that just could not help out Jared Goff at all, and, and here's the thing. Now, the offensive line didn't do Goff any favors. At the same time, the Rams didn't use their arguable best back in the country, if not a top three back in Todd Gurley that much. And then on top of all of that, Jared Goff looked flustered, showed his youth, and looked very uncomfortable. So, you know, we put all of this together, and it makes for a terrible-tasting cocktail. What can you say about this? The offensive line to Jared Goff to the misuse or no use of Todd Gurley, this offense had a lot of problems. It was multi-layered, and we can't even blame the wide receivers because – they weren't getting the ball out to him enough. Yeah, I just, I just think um, New England outplayed them. Um, they played at a, at a different pace. They played fast. Um, I can't break down uh, exactly what they did, um, but the word that you used was they got out muscle. And, you know, those guys, if they had to hit a gap, um, the Rams' offensive line wasn't ready. I, I just think they totally dominated the line of scrimmage. Um, on a consistent basis. Like you said, they kept, you know, Jared Goff off balance, uh, a little flustered. And, you know, they did have a couple opportunities to make some plays, but I don't know if he was, you know, looking at the offensive line, but, um, you know, he missed some guys. uh, He missed, um, I can't remember if it was Cooks or Woods, 
you know, the guy sitting in the, in the end zone just standing there, and I thought he popped out. I thought he was came out of the tunnel and stood in the end zone or something. It was a trick play or something. Yeah. He was so wide open. So uh, that, that, that credit goes to the defensive line. They were causing havoc up there, and – you know, he, he that split second, he just couldn't get rid of the ball. So um, they just totally got outplayed. And, again, it was one game. But um, I know New England probably was hearing the same thing, that, you know, this offensive line was the best offensive line. And they had a great season. But um, they, they totally got outplayed last night to me. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, they, they got completely outplayed. By all stretches of the imagination, they they got outmanned. I mean, they could not stop anything that was coming their way. And Jared Goff obviously having his issues. And, you know, you were right about that play where, you know, Brandon Cooks broke down, uh, you know, just got past everybody on the defensive side, was standing in the middle of the end zone, and Jared Goff just didn't get the ball to him quickly enough. I mean, if he had put more zip on the ball, if he had let that go a little bit sooner, that's a touchdown. At the same time, Jared Goff made a perfect pass to Brandon Cooks in double coverage, putting the ball over his shoulder, dropping it into his hands in the end zone, and he didn't come up with that either. So we're looking at two missed touchdown opportunities, the two blatant missed touchdown opportunities by the Rams. One, the fault of Jared Goff to Brandon Cooks, and the other one, the fault of Brandon Cooks from Jared Goff. Thoughts on these two? Because both of these should have been touchdowns. One was on the quarterback, one was on the receiver. Well, it, it did come down to, um, you know, making the plays. Um, you know, th- that was a situation where, like I said, he he's been under arrest pretty much the whole game, and I don't know what his read was, but I know uh, as a quarterback, um, <laughs> if the middle of the field is wide open, my first keys are the safeties. And um, as I'm dropping back, you know, I have my peripheral on what the defense is doing. So if Brandon Cooks was just a, a clear-out guy and he comes wide open and – you know, I'm, I'm surveying the defense post-read after the snap. You know, I, I just don't know how, you know, you missed that guy. Now, you know, again, it, 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 he could have missed him if he didn't have pressure. I don't know what the read was. I just know playing from the quarterback position, um, a guy running down the middle of the field, um, you know, you, you have to say that that it was the pressure and, and the fact that I don't know, I don't know what he was looking at. <laughs> I really don't know what he was looking at. So, and then, the, and then the uh, the other play it was a great throw. It was just good defense. You know, the guy, the corner grabbed uh, Cooks' left hand just enough that the referees couldn't see it, and he couldn't make the one hand catch. So, you know, that was just great defense right there. So, uh, but it comes down to to making those types of plays, and you know, not only the Super Bowl but any game. Sometimes it comes down to two or three plays. So. Those are plays that uh, the Rams didn't make, and you have to give credit to New England. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and in all honesty, you know, they didn't come up with it. And, and as I said over and over and over again, you have to play near perfect football to even have a chance to defeat the Patriots. So when you give up two touchdowns, not going to happen. Speaking about giving up, Todd Gurley says after the game, it's cool, man. It's a team sport. There's 11 people on the field. Everyone can't touch the ball, he says. I don't understand this. I would love for somebody to tell me 
uh, after the game, the head coach of the team, you know, Sean McVay, had this statement, quote, there was some different situations you could always look back. Certainly that is going to be something I'm sure I'll say. I wish I could have got him more involved. The film is always a good chance to go back and look at it. And I know there's a handful of decisions that I'm going to want back for sure, end quote. So this makes no sense at all. Jared Goff said, quote, love to get Gurley the ball. That's not my decision, end quote. Gurley said, quote, I felt good. Whenever my name is called to get in, I'm ready, end quote. So none of this makes any sense by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, Sean McVay went on to say the reality is that we didn't get a lot of plays off in general until you get into some of those known passing situations toward the end. The holding call was a really tough one for us. We had a good drive going. Todd made a nice cutback run on a tight zone, and it put us at first and 20. These kinds of plays seem like they continuously presented themselves throughout the night, and it never really enabled us to get into a rhythm. That was really tough, end quote. I'm calling BS, okay? I don't know if this man pissed off Sean McVay. I don't know if he got in trouble. I don't know, you know, if, if you know, he was I, – I, I mean, there is no sense of a coach – especially a coach who's made it all the way to the Super Bowl going, yeah, you know, when I look back on it, I probably should have used my all-pro running back. I probably should have used the guy we just gave over $14 million a year to. You know, the guy that's probably top three, if not the top running back in the nation. You know, I saw him on the bench, but I just kind of forgot about him as the game went on. None of this makes any sense. I'm calling BS. There's some type of something that's gone on here because why you would not use your best offensive weapon in the Super Bowl makes absolutely positively no sense. Talk me off the ledge, Marvin. Am I wrong? Am I crazy? Because this doesn't make any sense to me. No, I, I think you're right on on point with it. But again, you know, I think that's a situation where uh, McVeigh has showed his youth um, situational football. Okay, this is a team that 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 averaged almost thirty points a game, and now you're in a game where, oh wow, you know, we need to just score once or twice, um, and it comes down to scheme. I would have liked to see, and I thought that we would see more two tight end sets which the Patriots had problems with. I thought we would see C.J. Anderson and Gurley in, in the game at the same time. I just I just thought that, you know, even with Gurley in the game, that um, there were some other plays that could have been, been called maybe to, to put some stress on the defense, maybe motioning them out, throwing him a screen, putting him in routes. Um, but, you know, like Sean McVay said, when you're going three and out and you start the game – with, I don't remember what it was, eight punts, you're really not on the field that much. Um, and their drives, I don't think they had more than five plays. Uh, so so he's right in that sense. You know, the playbook is, is, has kind of shrunk because you're not on the field as much. So, um, you know, what, what you're saying and what you're feeling is, is absolutely on point. Um, it just came down to a situation that uh, the Rams weren't ready for this situation. And... Uh, the adjustments that were made um, or weren't made uh, caused them the game. So, um, again, you have to give the Patriots the, the credit for uh, basically uh, taking Gurley out the game. And I really didn't think that that was going to be something that, that would happen. But when you're not on the field as much, you can't call as many plays. So, you know, again, that goes to a 
credit to the Patriots. And I don't know um, if Gurley was hurt. I don't know if the plan was, you know, to play both of those guys. I, I would have had him on the field more, but I'm not a coach. Um, but I, I will say this, you know, I, I give Todd Gurley a lot of credit because at, not at one point on the sideline did you see him in a selfish mode. I didn't see it. Um, so he was the ultimate team player yesterday, and give him credit for that. Yeah, you know, speaking here with our Monday morning quarterback, Marvin Graves of Syracuse Orange football history, and, you know, I, I just, it, it is. I mean, it's it's one of those things like McVay can say, listen, you know, I was out coached, I was out this, I was out that, but you're Sean McVay, you're a head coach in the NFL. I understand, We're 30, he's 33, same age as me, just turned 33 on January 24th, but it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. What also didn't make any sense, Marvin, and I want to get to this before we close up, is that you got a minute, right? You got a minute and you're down by 10. You're down 13 to three. You got, what, a minute eight to try and make this happen. And you throw short passes over the middle, hoping that you could get down the field to kick a field goal or touch. You don't take any shots at the end zone. You don't use Jared Goff's arm at all. You don't put any receivers on the outside. You don't get out of bounds once. You throw five-yard passes over the middle, draining the clock to almost nothing to eight seconds before you miss the field goal. Bring me into that because I wasn't blaming Sean McVay for a lot. I was blaming the offensive line. I was I was blaming McVay for the misuse of Gurley and then obviously Jared Goff having his issues. The defense played tremendous. But outside of all of that, I will blame Sean McVay for the decision-making of that final drive when you're down by 10 and you're throwing to the middle of the field and taking no shots into the end zone and putting your team in a position to completely drain the clock with no timeouts left and no opportunities to score. That drive made absolutely no sense to me. What did you think about it? Yeah, it didn't. I mean, you know, time was of the essence and, you know, you got to have some type of package to where you are getting the ball downfield but again, I don't I don't know if he felt like, you know, the pressure. I, I, I thought they handled the pressure pretty well. I thought, you know, he had some time to make some throws. Um I don't know. I, I, I don't I don't understand um some of the play calling. Um maybe maybe uh Jared Goff um prematurely got rid of the ball. You know, we'll we'll never know um all of that. But it comes down again to situational football, and I just don't think it's, it's it's not a knock against them. They just weren't ready for this moment, and and it just showed. And this is something that you know the Rams can Sean McVay and Golf and the rest of the team that'll that'll be with them if they're in this situation again. They they maybe can handle it better. But um, again, I, I just I just think it 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 goes back to. Um, the pressure and as fast as New England were playing, they played very confidently on defense, and that defensive line was disruptive. So um, that had a lot to do with uh, the lack of ex- execution on the Rams' part. Yeah, the Rams definitely uh, looked looked dazed and confused in certain situations, but the defense was 
tremendous. And, and you know, you got to give all the credit in the world to the defense. And I think that, you know, waking up this morning, if, if there is any fan out there that's being negative toward this Rams defense, I, to me, you know, I think that's a crazy situation to be in. And in, in, uh, I, I think it's a very illogical and irrational thing to state because, you know, this defense, and, and it brings me back and, you know, kind of nightmares of being at the AFC Championship game last year and uh, covering the Jaguars, which I've done for the past decade on site, on location in some respect. And I'm in Foxborough and I'm watching this team take it to Tom Brady and take it to, you know, the entire Patriots, uh, you know, staff to everybody, you know, just just playing better than they were playing better in the first half and playing better for about 75% of the game, if not more. And, you know, eventually, because Jacksonville couldn't move the ball late and struggled and, you know, Brady and the team held on to the ball for a long time. I think they had a drive in the third quarter that was eight plus minutes in the AFC championship game of, of last season. And ultimately, the defense got, you know, no matter how good you are, you're going to get fatigued. You're going to have your moments. I saw it then. I saw it in this game. You know, this defense played near perfect football. And then at the at the end of the game, they give up big runs. They give up, you know, what, four passes on that touchdown drive that ended with Sony Michelle. And I don't think we can blame the defense of the Los Angeles Rams. I think we blame the fact that they were on the fields way too much, and ultimately that's going to take its toll at some point in the game. Absolutely. Uh, the Rams' defense played lights out. Lights out. You can ask any New England fan if – they were going to score 13 points that they would win the football game, and they would have told you no. Um, all the experts that spoke before the game had the game in the mid to high 20s. So um, that defense played lights out. Tom Brady admitted it, um, but he did enough to win the win the football game. They gave up seven points to one of the best, two the best quarterback in football right now. They gave up seven points. So defense, the Rams played lights out. To win a football game, you got to at least have two phases of your team play well. And the offense didn't play uh, well enough to win the football game. And there were no no real plays made on special teams. You know, one of the things that I would have liked to see, um, you got a, I don't know the kid's name, but you got an exciting kick returner back there. Um, let them bring it out. The offense hasn't moved the ball that much. They kicked it deep. He's five, six yards in the end zone. So what? This kid is fast. He can run. He can move. He's he's uh, has agility. I would have liked to seen him seen him bring the ball out. I know it would have killed some of the clock, but you haven't done anything on offense all game. Let the kid bring it out. It may have caught uh, New England off guard. So that's 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 again situational football. That you know myself. If I get back into coaching, something that I will bring up and point out. You know, special teams, there were really no plays really made. You had the field goal. Um, and outside of that, that was it. The defense showed up and everybody else uh, didn't play well enough to win the game. So there was no no touchdowns, no uh, kick returns, no uh, block punts or anything like that. So, um, you know, you got to have at least two phases play well to win a football game. Yep, and and they didn't have that. You know, the Rams ultimately had their defense, and they had a tremendous punter in the game. And you know, outside of that, you know, you, you didn't you didn't get done what you needed to get done. And and ultimately, they lost the game once again. You got to play near perfect football when you're playing the Patriots. 
and <clears throat> their defense played near perfect football. Nobody else did, unfortunately, for this team. And, uh, you know, obviously uh, Sean McVay has to consult the fact that he left his best player on the bench for what seems as right now, from what we know in this moment, as no good reason by any stretch of the imagination. So, you know, uh, we'll, we'll have to just decipher this, but it in, the, in this moment in time, it makes absolutely no sense. Marvin Graves here with us on Mondays, Monday morning quarterback, Syracuse Orange quarterback alum. Marvin, I appreciate you as always, and we got other things coming up here. We got the combine coming up. We got the draft coming up. We have so many opportunities coming up here. So, you know, I appreciate having you on and I look forward to having more conversations with you. I thank you for having our big game conversation of the Patriots defeating the Rams in Super Bowl 53. And I always appreciate you spending some time with us on Monday morning. Absolutely, man. I appreciate it too. It's been a great season. Um, it's, it's just been great talking football and everything else in between. And <clears throat> I think a lot of people and, and coaches that may hear this and are listening to this, um, I think you really have to look at the New England Patriots and, and look at that last drive. Um, the Patriots had a fullback in the game, um, or they used tight ends, big grunt. You know, these coaches, you have to, you want to throw the football around, you want it to be exciting, but you need to bring the fullback back in the football game because, you know, the Rams knew that they were going to run the football, and they couldn't stop them. They wore them down, they ran right at them, and they finished the football game running the football with a fullback in the game. So, um, you know, coaches really need to start taking a look at that because, you know, throwing the ball all around the field is not going to win you championships on a consistent basis. No, and I think that you are ultimately uh, 100% correct in that, you know, in that statement, the fact that, they knew the run was coming, and they still couldn't stop it. it. says a lot about what they were able to do, and it says a lot about Bill Belichick, and he just figures it out. I also have made the statement that, you know, there's there's a there, the Patriots are the best team at storing energy. They have a pocket of energy that they just always store for the fourth quarter. And however they do it, whatever it, it, may, it may be, they, they have the energy they need in the fourth quarter to have that burst. And if you go back and you look at all their games and their comebacks and this, that, and everything, even in maybe some games they didn't come back from, but they tried to, there, there is this crazy, crazy ability of this team to have more energy than you have at the end of the game, and they exploit you for it. And however they do it, whatever they do, I, I, it's something, again, I saw in that AFC Championship game you know, head-on, they they just they seem to store a pocket of energy for a, for a late game surge and it always seems to work out in their favor because they have the legs they got the stamina they have the endurance when you don't have it they have it are you seeing that too Marvin because I just I, I can't help but see that there's there's something like it, it's like you know I, I don't know if I don't know how they do it but they just seem to have more than you have at the end of the game well you know. I just really think, especially from an offensive standpoint, I think this is an intangible that, um, and another reason why I call Tom Brady the GOAT. You know, they say that the quarterback is one of the most important players on the field. And, and defenses feed off of offenses as well. And 
Tom Brady is a big reason why these team, this team can finish in the fourth quarter because this guy is 42 years old, 41, 42 years old, and the passion that he plays with, it, it's, it's nothing for Gazy about it. It's real. And I think the team feeds off of that, you know, him being prepared, him being a leader, him having that fire. And, you know, all these guys are younger than him. You know, some of these guys may be, you know, 19, 20 years younger than him, Sonny Michelle. Um, so I think Tom Brady, his attitude, his extension of the coaching staff on the field, I think it trickles down to not only the offense, but the rest of the team. Absolutely. And he just, I mean, he finds a way to get it done. 41 years old. He will be 42 on August 3rd. He was born in 1977, and he just continues to come back and wreak havoc and be that guy that you don't want to face. And whether you like him or not, you got to respect him. Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, and company Bob Kraft and the entire team doing what they needed to do to gut out a very ugly trench-worn game where they get the victory 13-3 over the Rams in Super Bowl 53. Marvin, again, as always, I appreciate having you on, and I look forward to talking with you soon. Thanks a lot, Dan. Talk to you soon, man. Take care. That coming from Marvin Graves one more time. Let's take a step aside for a fast break. This has brought us all the way into the second hour of the show. I knew it would be a big-time conversation with Marvin Graves. Always appreciate having him on the broadcast, and I knew that he was going to bring it on his side of it here, and, and hopefully – you know, we've touched on a lot of different pieces. We're going to talk about it throughout the week. We have Rob Drummond coming up on tomorrow's broadcast. We're going to have some other special guests coming up this week to speak with us on the game. We're going to let Papa Joe get around this. We're going to let Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame Football.com, Hall of Fame Fantasy Football.com get around it as well. So, you know, a lot to be had, a lot to be said as the week progresses here, and we will talk about this dynasty. We will talk about Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and Bob Kraft and you know, just what the Patriots are doing and what the Rams failed to do. And, you know, again, you know, we go back to this game and where was Todd Gurley? And you got Rams fans all over the place feeling like this. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 And at the end of that game, you know, to me, (laughs) I'm... I'm thinking, you know, when you're throwing five-yard passes over the middle, not getting out of bounds with no timeouts, taking no shots toward the end zone and no shots really downfield, if I'm Bill Belichick, you're doing my job for me. I'm feeling like this. I mean, it it was absolutely a head scratcher and ultimately the Patriots have now won six Super Bowls in nine tries over the last 18 years which has Patriots fans feeling like this all right all right all right And the rest of the nation, as Orange Avenger said, not feeling great about what's been going on right now, not feeling great about the fact that it seems like another Death Star is being built. As Bill Belichick and company continue the onslaught, we wait for the Jedi. We wait for the Force to be balanced again. 
But as of right now, it continues to be all Patriots.